Welcome to the Soft Verbal Podcast presented by Dead Soxie. Hosted by RebelGrove.com publisher Neil McCready and featuring Zach Barry of Red Cup Rebellion, the Soft Verbal Podcast is your number one podcast dedicated to Ole Miss football and basketball recruiting. Featuring guests from throughout the Rivals.com network, the Soft Verbal Podcast tells you what is happening and what's going to happen on the recruiting trail. And it does it in style, just like Dead Soxie. Visit DeadSoxie.com and enter promo code RebelGrove at checkout for 30% off your order of the best dress socks you'll ever wear. Now... Here's your host, Neil McCready. Welcome into another edition of the Soft Verbal Podcast. I'm Neil McCready. Zach Barry with me as well. Today, we're going to talk some basketball recruiting. We're going to talk some football recruiting. We uh, are potentially expecting a little bit of basketball developments over the course of the next 24 to 48 hours. So we'll talk about that a little bit. We'll uh, also, uh, Zach's officiating a game tonight. That got moved from Friday, so we're on a little bit of a time crunch. So we'll keep this one a, a little tighter than some of the ones we've done in the past. So uh, we'll get to all of that in a minute. First, let me tell you about Dead Soxy. It's deadsoxy.com. Uh, it's still the perfect time to get into some of those no shows from Dead Soxy. They're absolutely fantastic. They're the uh, they're the best socks you'll ever put on your feet. They have nine new styles of no shows to choose from. So find the style that fits your occasion. Go to promo go to uh, deadsoxy.com, enter promo code REBELGROVE at checkout. you get 30% off the best dress socks you've ever put on. Uh, also, you can check out several bundle packs that are currently on sale. Uh, use your promo code in addition to these already deeply discounted prices at deadsoxy.com. Make your day a soxy one. I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios. Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900 is that number. Call it. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. It's that simple. It's right to the bottom line. There's no hassle. There's no haggle. You get your quote, and the rest is totally up to you. Um, you can shop it around. Use it as a gauge elsewhere. It's fine. Or you can do what I've done. And what I recommend that you at least seriously consider doing, and that's get into a Clark Ford today. You will love the product. You'll love the service. Corey wants to be your truck guy. He wants to be a car guy, and he wants to prove that to you, and he will once you make the call, 662-257-1900. Zach, how are you, sir? Neil, it's a gorgeous day here in Nashville for uh, for some Thursday night football, so it should be should be fun this evening. Yeah, um, did you get moved up because of weather? Yeah, I think they're anticipating a ton of rain tomorrow, uh, which would have been fitting because last week I just got absolutely dumped on in the uh, – Week zero, week one, whatever they're calling it, um, both first and second half, just torrential downpour. I uh, I told Anna she's been watching Lost for the first time, yeah. and I've been kind of rewatching it with her. And I always crack up at the scenes when they're in the jungle, and it's just like an absolute downpour that does not look real at all. It just looks like they have artificial rain. And uh, I told her, I was like, yep, it, it rained on me like it does uh, on the island in Lost. It was terrible. Well, I hate that, man. I hate that you got you got rained on. We're supposed to, Carson and I are driving to Jackson, Tennessee tomorrow after school because he's got a soccer tournament and they play early on Saturday. And I don't want to do the four in the morning drive thing. I, I just don't. Yeah. I'd rather just go ahead and get there. And so, um, hopefully. The vast metropolis of Jackson, Tennessee. Oh, yes. Yes. Absolutely. Um, but so, yeah, it'll probably watch it rain. It'll probably rain the whole time, which is the worst. There's nothing worse. No matter what, no matter what your thoughts on youth soccer are, there's nothing <laughs> worse than youth soccer on a muddy field where your clothes and your shoes are muddy and then your car gets muddy and everything's muddy and there's nothing you can do about it for 48 hours. I hate that. I would much rather just be hot and miserable. Well, that was what I was going to say was last week – when it when it rained and we were done and all me and the other officials were packing up getting ready to leave and I was like you know what I was like this was this was fine and normal week zero week one is you know heat index one oh five and it's just absolute just absolutely awful and you're just sweating uh, at least this time you know it was at night so it was it was probably high seventies by the fourth quarter because it really didn't get humid when the rain came through. And so that was actually nice to where, I mean, it was kind of chilly with, you know, your official shirt and your, 
you know, your undershirt kind of sticking to you with just all wet. So I, I'd rather have that than just be brutally hot. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. All right. So let's, let's get to this. There's a lot of, uh, Hey, hey Neil. Yeah. Real quick. This is, this is breaking news. This is pertinent information. What are Carson's thoughts on Lionel Messi potentially joining Man City? Ooh, is that where he's going? Is Man City? That's the big, the big rumor. Uh, Pep really wants him, and uh, I've seen a lot of. Uh, so I'm in a group text with a bunch of City fans, and one of my friends who follows it just like m- my guy eats, sleeps, and breathes the Crescent Moon and and Blue Moon and all that. There's this guy that apparently is the Woj of international soccer, and he said it's it's going to happen. Um, oh wow. So that's the that's the rumor, and, and it's like City and, and PSG are the only teams that can afford him. Nobody else can afford him. Um, so that's the rumor. But is he a messy guy? Uh, he likes Messi. He, he's Carson over the last twenty four to forty eight hours has has soured on sports a little bit. He he's he's um he's a thirteen. So weird, it's a weird time to be in your formidable years with sports. It's it, he's a thirteen year old kid who turns fourteen in a little over a month. Just went back to school, and he was into the NBA playoffs a lot, really enjoying them. And then yesterday frustrated him, and uh, and then the Major League Baseball, some of that stuff happened, and that 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 frustrated. You right? Yeah. Okay. That that frustrated him as well. So, uh, yeah, he he uh, he hadn't talked much about sports. So I don't. Was it? Was yesterday the? Um, I'm assuming it was Garrett Cole getting shelled by the Braves. That yeah, yeah, that, that's what it was. It, it was that. <laughs> uh, it, was, yeah. it was. It was the Cubs bullpen struggling in the sixth inning. Now he, no, he, 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 he did. He, he kind of checked out. You know, he. I, I, I said this. It's, it's an interesting thing for, um, for ESPN, and then we'll move on from it because I don't want to spend a lot of time on it because it, it, yeah. it, it puts me in a weird mood. Um, ESPN's got to calibrate this. They they really do. They they spend a lot of time on uh, politics and social justice and that kind of thing. And I wonder how much it's interesting. And I have one kid, so I can't call. I mean, I have three kids, but I have one who watches ESPN, right. and yeah. and so I can't refer to him as some sort of a focus group. Now he has friends, and I ask him about his friends, and I think. His opinion is a majority one. They just kind of want to watch the games, mm-hmm. and the games aren't available for them to watch, and they just kind of sometimes just want to watch the highlights, and that the super heavy stuff can turn them off a little bit. And I understand why ESPN covers it. I understand why ESPN talks about it, but ESPN probably has to have that conversation with itself about. We are in business. It's it's like the conversation that I've had with people today about the NBA, where they talk about what happens if the NBA players decide to walk away from the bubble and end the season prematurely. And part of that answer is a business answer, and people don't like to talk about that part of it. They only want to talk about the social justice part of it. And my response to that is, I understand. But you have to understand that once you make the decision to shut down the NBA and the owners who are not the reason that anything has happened in Wisconsin. The owners lose $900 million plus dollars and the collective bargaining agreement is voided. The owners have a business decision to make moving forward. And that is, what's the incentive for us to really move forward with the league for the time being? They've already delayed the draft. They've already delayed the start of the season. The owners look at it and say, why do we even bother until we know that we can have fans in the stands? Because we've lost so much money that resuming in a bubble next season, which is kind of what they talked about, was doing some bubbles, resuming in a bubble in a season where you finished the playoffs and crowned a champion and got the $900 million, that's off the table. And so when you say that to people, like, oh, so the owners would just completely lose 
Hey, listen, it is what it is. I mean, the, the, the owners aren't going to lose $900 million plus million on top of what they lost from not being able to play the, the last part of the regular season at home. They're not going to lose that money and then go, hey, let's throw some more money at this that's going to be sunk money. has nothing to do with social justice. It has to do with money. And at yeah. some point, people have to make business decisions that are about money. And yeah. so that's what drives me keyword keyword business. Yes, that. what drives me crazy is that it, well, and, and and here's the thing: as we get off this, the NBA is a business. It is an industry. It is an eight billion dollar industry. So if the people who own the business, and in the NBA, the profit sharing is like fifty fifty. The players make a lot of money. Hmm. If the owners are losing all of that money, they're not going to continue to pay it. If they can't make money, they're not going to spend money. You don't become an NBA owner by being a horrible business person. I know there might be an exception here and there, but the the general rule of that holds true. I think I think most people would have to at least begrudgingly agree that you don't become the owner of a professional sports franchise by being a horrific business person typically yeah. so you know because you, you you're running a billion dollar business at that point and, and i just yeah i don't know there are some exceptions when it comes to poor businessmen who well of course there are find their way. and there are exceptions to everything yeah i mean you, you know that's, yeah that's that's the key here like you said it's it's a i have no problem with espn delving into current events and because this is a huge issue this isn't just you know, crap, they're not playing NBA playoff games. Like, this is bigger sure, than that. Sure. So I appreciate that. Now, I, on the other hand, I, I think that some of their original programming, that's probably the place where you want to discuss that and have a roundtable discussion. And and that's I think that's where we are as a country. We need, we need to be able to discuss things. And we'll get off this and we'll get on recruiting. Sorry for doing this. But um, you have to have discussions. You have to have the tough the tough topic you, you have to flesh out ideas you have to talk to people and you have to you know it's it's good to discuss things that not everybody agrees with that's how you grow as a person intellectually whatever blah blah blah. but yeah as far as like sports center goes i think that like you said business decision they need to you know stick to hey this is what happened in the day in sports now we'll go to our original programming to discuss in depth what else happened in sports and that's just kind of my take from someone, uh, yeah, hundred thousand feet away. But yeah, and they, anyway. yeah, and they, they, I don't watch it. So I don't know. I, I don't have time in my day to, to to watch a lot of talking heads talk. I mean, I, I have a handful of people that I read and publications that I read. I don't, I don't turn the TV on. Like the TV's not on in here right now. I, I don't, I don't watch a lot of Sports Center. He gets up in the morning, and now that he's going back to school, thank God. He gets up in the morning and he turns it on while he has his breakfast and gets ready for his day. So the last couple of days, he's like, I'll just watch something else. And I just think that's interesting. I doubt if he's the only kid who feels that way. Yeah, it's not the same sports center that I grew up on, that's for sure. No, no, not at all. All right, so let's uh, – we're, we're, <laughs> we're almost 15 minutes into a podcast that we weren't planning to spend a whole lot of time on. So let's get to it. Uh, We'll start with James White, the four-star shooting guard out of Atlanta, who is apparently making a decision soon. Um, we're taping this. It's Thursday morning around 11 a.m. Central Daylight Time, and I've been told by some people that it could happen today. I don't, I don't know what that decision is. I don't know whether it is or isn't Ole Miss. Ole Miss is apparently one of the finalists. I'll be honest with you, Zach. I don't know a lot about James White. So he's, he's been on the radar haven't heard his name in, in a while, but he, he's, he's been on the radar. Uh, Ole Miss has recruited him pretty consistently. He uh, holds offers from uh, Alabama, Arizona State, Arkansas, uh, Creighton, Paul, Florida, Florida State, Georgia, Georgia Tech. He's, he's got a good offer sheet. Missouri's in there, A&M. Um, and then you've got, you know, he's generating a lot of interest from Auburn, Tennessee, uh, and Vandy, so very held in high regard by a lot of staffs. Um, his game is is fun. I mean, he's kind of like that new age 
uh, you know, we just got through discussing the NBA and, and, and that sport and how it's evolved over time and just how, you know, six, five guys are pretty much, you know, small guys in the NBA now, but, uh, at the shooting guard position, he's someone that can create a lot of issues for, uh, undersized guards. He, um, he's, he's a, he's a bucket getter, Neil. He scores in a variety of ways. Um, I believe he hit somewhat of a growth spurt in the last year or so. Um, got got taller, um, so he's added some length to his game. He he's not very big in terms of weight. I think he's probably about 180. Probably plays around 180, 185. Um, so he's got to get a little little heavier, but uh, but he's exciting. Um, I, I'm gonna talk to. Rivals national analyst Corey Evans. At some point, we're going to discuss a lot of different targets. So I'll get something from him. But um, but yeah, he, he's he's kind of a high ceiling guy that uh, has earned a ton of respect on the AAU circuit with uh, how he's played over the past year and a half or so. But um, yeah, Conyers, uh, Georgia plays at. Um, Heritage High School there, so good, good public school basketball in the Peach State. So this would uh, this would be a good get. He's uh, the 103rd overall player nationally, and um, as always, Neil, he's got great hair, and we know how much that we know how much weight that holds in the recruiting game. Yeah, yeah, it's one of the reasons that I'm not playing professional basketball today is I didn't have great <laughs> hair. Sorry, that wasn't an intentional shot at you. I promise. It it felt. Kind of intentional. It hurt. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. For those, for those that they, that'll get the reference, he's got rocket power hair. There are people who talk about him being a uh, being an NBA caliber wing, ha- having that sort of potential. I mean, he's. I was just watching him a little bit. Now, I'm not comparing him to this player, but his game reminded me a little bit of his in, in terms of their stature and his build and that kind of thing. A little bit of Shea Gildas Alexander in him. That's what I was going to say, actually. That's weird. Wow. Is that, uh, are you serious? Yeah. No, yeah. Um, yeah, like really smooth, runs the floor well, and just kind of scores from everywhere. Um, may not look, you know, perfectly how you drew it up, or, it, you know, it's not the uh, – you're not going to, you know, diagram him on a PowerPoint presentation on how to shoot the basketball or how to score, but um, kind of like a uh, – a new age Chris Douglas Roberts. How's that? Yeah, you like that? Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, he just just watching him. Just, I, a lot of it is is just the way he's built. He, he reminded me a lot of SGA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know? I'd say I say SGA is a little bit more fluid, a little more athletic, but I see it for sure. Yeah, SGA's when you watch him night in and night out, you're you're stunned at how because <laughs> you, you look at him and you think that dude, no way, and then he just gets to the rim. Just gets to the yeah. rim. It's just rem- it's one of the one of the most remarkable. I've watched him a lot this year. He's he's um, he's really developed his game in in one year. It's it's he's significantly better today than he was when they opened the season back in late October or whenever that was. Mm-hmm. All right, all right. The, I was gonna go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was gonna say the trend continues here. Outside of Deshaun Ruffin, who, I mean, that guy. You want to talk about getting buckets? Um, outside of Ruffin. I mean, they are just continuing to to evaluate and go after long, athletic guys. Well, I mean, look, if you watch the pro game at all, and I know the college game is a different game, but if you're trying to, if you're trying to win at the college level, you've got to recruit players who want to play in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And if you watch the pro game at all, there's more and more teams, not just the Rockets, but lots of teams that go small frequently, and and you have uh-huh. you have to be able to do that. You know, um, it, it, I've been watching the Rockets Thunder series, which may or may not co- ever be completed. It's two to two, and it might stay two to two for perpetuity. Uh, <laughs> but in those last two games, the Thunder had to adjust to the Rockets going staying small. Mm-hmm. And what they did was they played um, Chris Paul and SGA and Dennis Schroeder at the guards, kind of a point guard, two wings. So you have three guards who can really handle the basketball, three guys who probably grew up as point guards. 
And then they have Lou Dort guarding Harden. So Dort is basically another shooting guard, although he's out there as a defensive specialist. And a, you know he's a 3 and D guy who's not very good with the 3, but really good with the D. And mm-hmm. they've basically played Steven Adams off the floor, and they're going with Danilo Gallinari, who is typically a 3-slash-4, probably more of a 3 early in his career, more of a 4 now. He's playing the 5. So everyone's going small, and they've since they've gone small, they've given the Rockets problems because they've been able to match the Rockets' athleticism, and they've been able to close out on some open threes and that kind of thing that when Adams was on the floor, and I think Adams is a really good player, but he's a big guy. And so, you know, I mean, he's 7'1", 260-something pounds would be my guess. He's not going to move around as well as a 6'4", 6'5", guy, just physics. And right. so, you know... Um, they've played anyway. You see that a lot. You see Dallas go small. You see the Clippers go small. Um, you know, you see the Bucks outside of Giannis go small. Teams just go small. So I, you're going to see that. In, my point is, you're going to see that emulated at the college level, and so it makes sense that Kermit Davis and company are, are searching for, as you said, long athletic wings who can be versatile guys who can play the two, who can play the three, probably where you can do some some four guard lineups. Against mm-hmm. against teams that that try to throw that at you. Well, it it's something that I was talking to a couple of people about this yesterday. Look, Kermit and his staff they're they're desperately trying to get a presence in the association. You have Terrence Davis in there, and I mean, you want to talk about going quote unquote small. I mean, when the Raptors go small, it's Terrence Davis who's six four two fifteen. Little break, Not exactly small. A little breaking news, by the way. Adrian Wojnarowski reporting that the NBA players have decided to resume the playoffs. Oh, okay. Well, we, we got to check our sources on Woj. Uh, this is this is uh, <laughs> this is Woj with the check mark. So it's it's. Yeah, you got to be you got to be careful. You don't get duped. And not to be, I mean, not to stay on this because I won't. If they wanted to maintain their platform. They had to continue the playoffs. I'm telling you, have they? If they don't finish the playoffs, there is no season next year. And I'm not making this up. If there's no, if they don't finish the playoffs. There's no season next year, and it's not because the owners don't care about the players. It's not because the owners don't care about social justice issues. It's not because the owners can't empathize with their players and and relate to what their players are feeling. It is because if you're losing hundreds of millions of dollars, you typically don't volunteer to lose hundreds of millions more. Right. It's money. And people go, well, it should be about more than money. Man, shut the F up. Life's about, I mean, it's not all about money, but you got to have it. And if you're running a business and you're losing hundreds of millions of dollars, you don't continue to throw bad money against bad money. You just don't. And the people, well, the people at ESPN and other places that can't discuss that part of this story because it doesn't match a part of the constant narrative are missing the point. The NBA players absolutely have been given a platform. It's obvious. They've been given a platform in Orlando. The owners essentially have done everything the players asked to do. The owners have said okay. That's why yesterday I thought this can only go one day. This can't go into the weekend and into next week. I saw someone say, take two weeks off. I'm like, that doesn't work. If you're the owners, you can't run the risk of, okay, and then and then in two weeks, corporate America goes, hey, look, man, it's just too toxic. We can't touch this right now. It, it, no. Business matters is my point. Anyway. Right. Anyway. Well, that's, that's, a, that's a hell of a, a segue, unintentional segue, because talking about you know, money being involved. Well, I just mentioned Terrence Davis, and y'all talked about it on the podcast yesterday. You know, the LeBron Jameses, the Lucas, the the Giannis's, those those types of players, they're going to be fine without a season because they make millions and millions of dollars. But somebody like Terrence Davis, like you know, on the end of the bench, he needs a season. He needs this type of uh, this bubble. He needs you know to yes. finish up the playoffs and all that. So I'm sure that that played a part. Where it look like. Not saying this is what Terrence said or anything, but you know those types of guys were like, "Hey, man, like I, we're all for taking a stand and, and letting our voice be heard and fighting social injustice and all that, but we need to play because we need to make money." 
and we need yeah. to, you know, and that sort of thing. Which is not to, you know, diminish what they're doing. Like I'm all for people having a voice and and standing up for what they believe in. That's awesome. That's what uh, that's part of why this country stands for what it does. But at the end of the day, like you said, money's not everything, but you need it. So that probably was the crossroad that they got to. Yeah, I'm sure for a Terrence Davis who looks at next season and says, I can make, I don't know what his option is. It's like 1.5 or something like that. I can make 1.5 million or I can make zero. Mm-hmm. Gosh, that's a pretty easy decision. In my world, <laughs> yeah. in my world, that's, yeah. that's not, that's not all that complicated. Right. So, um, but you know, I mentioned Terrence and that's what current them are doing. Like they're trying to get more of a presence in the league because you need that because spoiler alert, High school basketball players want to play in the league, so you have to have that to point to. They have it now with Terrence. You got to get it with other guys. So that's you know why they're going after that skill set. That makes perfect sense. So speaking of mm-hmm. an NFL prospect, I mean, NFL NBA prospect, <laughs> uh, Brandon Huntley Hatfield, six foot, yeah. six foot eight, six foot nine, five star forward. One of the top-rated players in the country in the 2022 class. There's a lot of talk about him reclassifying to the 2021 class. He had long been considered a, a virtual lock for Kentucky. Mm-hmm. He and Kentucky, and I really don't feel like delving into what happened. I don't really care. He and Kentucky have cut ties with one another some way or another. does not appear that Kentucky is anywhere, any longer on his list. He is scheduled to announce a top six, I think, tomorrow, which, quite frankly, I have a hard time getting, paying a lot of attention to six. <laughs> there are there are three or four programs whose names are coming up consistently now mm-hmm. with Huntley Hatfield. And again, if he's staying in the 2022 class, and as of three weeks ago, he seemed to intimate that he was, this isn't all that imminent of a deal. If, mm-hmm. if he is moving into the 2021 class... Well, he could sign in November. Absolutely. Yeah. This becomes a much bigger deal. <clears throat> and if that's the case, the four programs that I hear in differing orders, depending on who I talk to, Ole Miss, Tennessee, Auburn, and Wake Forest. Tennessee mm-hmm. and Wake Forest have strong AAU ties to his AAU coach. Maybe it's his maybe it's his prep school coach. I'm not sure. One or the other. Mm-hmm. And Chris then, Cheney. And then um, uh, Wake Forest with with Forbes has some connections to his coach. And then uh, Ole Miss, I can tell you as early as late spring, early summer, and again, this is an excuse, but I lose track of time during the pandemic. (laughs) Um, But at some point in the last five or six months, I've been told by people who are connected in college basketball circles, if Ole Miss pulls off a upset, this is the upset. It's it's if Ole Miss pulls off a a high profile recruit that no one really saw coming, it's him. Well, they have been on Huntley Hatfield for years. I think uh, Ole Miss was his second offer ever. Um, they were virtually in on him when he was in eighth grade, going into his freshman season. He's originally from Clarksville, Tennessee. Uh, the Kentucky connection started early his cousin is Alex Poitras who played at Kentucky former big time recruit um transferred to IMG and then now he's at Scotland campus in Pennsylvania so all the connections for him make perfect sense in the programs that you mentioned um I mentioned Chris Cheney's his head coach at Scotland campus he was uh the head coach at Laurenburg Prep in North Carolina and at uh, the Patterson School in New Jersey both schools um, fed a ton of players to John Calipari at Memphis. Um, the Laurenburg prep team, I believe, had four off of that 2005 team that went to Memphis. Um, and then when he was at the Patterson School, um, he continued to uh, to basically cherry pick there. Uh, him and Chris Cheney are tight. So that's a Kentucky connection there. It makes a ton of sense. Poitras, his, his high school coach now, at Scotland campus, um, and Cheney's just probably, arguably, one of the most respected names in, in high school basketball as far as being a coach. Um, Auburn and Wake Forest, the ties there. Uh, Bruce Pearl, when he was at Tennessee, he had um, 
Steve Forbes is on his staff, and then you mentioned the AAU circuit connection. Uh, he plays for B Mays Elite, which B Mays stands for Bobby Mays, who uh, played for Chris Cheney in high school, went to Oklahoma, and is now on the staff at Tennessee. Um, so everything, all the pieces interlock and intertwine and make perfect sense for um, those four programs being in the hunt. Now, with all that said, Ole Miss has gained a ton of traction as of late. And then I think, it, look, we, we talk about it, basketball, football, relationships are probably the most important thing in recruiting. How well do you jive with the staff, with the campus? Um, how does your family feel about it? And like I said, Ole Miss has been recruiting Huntley Hatfield for probably going on four or five years now. And I think that that sticks out to him. Uh, Ole Miss has been pretty upfront with, like, we're not recruiting any other power forward. You're our guy. Um, and I think that that's why Kentucky kind of moved on because look, Calipari can pick and choose who he wants. They're Kentucky. Um, Brandon kind of was taking it slow, wasn't really in a rush to make a decision whether he was reclassifying or whether he was committing, whatever. And I think Calipari and the staff there kind of moved on. And, I, you know, maybe there were some other things that happened. I don't know. I, I can't speak on that. But that's kind of my take on it was, you know, Calipari can get whoever he wants. And so this kid, number five overall player in the 2022 class, most people think he's a top 25 guy regardless of classification. That's how good he is. Um, but, yeah, Kentucky moved on, and uh, it opened the door for – for Ole Miss to really make a move. So they're going to be in a dogfight regardless of when he makes a decision with uh, with Tennessee, Auburn, and Wake Forest. Um, but they're in it. They're absolutely in it. And um, I know a lot of sources that I've discussed uh, think that Ole Miss is in a good spot right now. Yeah, I think Ole Miss is in a good spot. Um, I think they're in a real good spot. I just – there's a couple of people or at least one person that did a, one of those crystal ball – things and everybody goes crazy because he's like he's 38 for 39 i'm like okay i'm just, just <laughs> it's a couple of steps before you can go crazy here and that's one he has to reclassify yeah and it sounds like that's likely i think maybe Could the be. word the word that i would use yeah I, I, he, not, not certain the, right the one hurdle is he's he's young for his grade um i don't I think he might have just turned 16. I don't know his birthday, but he's really young. So I think that might be the one hurdle. But he might be young, but he can play. So the, the skill set translates regardless of when he's classified. So I mean, we just got through talking about fits and NBA skill sets. I mean, he is absolutely it. I mean, this is a legitimate one-and-done candidate for college basketball. Yeah, he, he yes, he's he's uh, highly highly thought of, mm-hmm. highly thought of. Um, all right, so we'll we'll be following that as as the days and weeks progress. Let's switch to football here in the the second part of the show. You uh, reported, or I guess talked about Arch Manning. Uh, people may have heard of him. He um, is a quarterback. He's a twenty twenty three quarterback. Is that right? Yeah. 2023 quarterback out of New Orleans. Uh, Again, the last name is Manning. He is uh, rumored to be related to other Mannings, so there's a lot of people talking about him. He's also very highly ranked in his class. He was in Oxford recently, I think, with his dad. Um, It's a dead period, so I don't know how much contact they're even allowed to have. My guess is none. He's obviously been to Oxford a lot. The fact that he's in Oxford is not, or was in Oxford, should, is not like breaking news or anything. But you seem to think this is a fairly significant development. Well, it's it's more of just uh, like you said, the familiarity. He's comfortable comfortable in Oxford. Lord knows how many times he's been for games with his father, with his grandfather, with his uncles. Um, so he, he he knows the landscape. Now, look, he he could have come as just a weekend trip with his dad and with his teammates to come up to Oxford to go work out at a gym and go enjoy some catfish at Taylor Grocery. Or, who knows, could have come to get a look at the campus, get a look at the facilities, um, see what it's like with, with students there. Um, I don't know. Like you said, it's a dead period. You can't talk to them. They can't talk to the staff. Um, 
that's not really the news here, in my opinion. The news, to me, it's not really news, but you, you and Chase touched on it on the show. I, if we're going to talk, I mean, I know everybody jokes, you know, he's only a sophomore. He's 2023. Like, the, no decision is coming anytime soon. But look, it's, it's recruiting, and he is probably going to be the biggest recruit since probably Jimmy Clausen. Um, when was Clausen? I can't remember. Oh, he was 05, um, I believe. It was, I'm pretty sure, before I graduated high school. Uh, oh, wow, 07. Okay. It was so, okay. So, um, yeah, coming out of Oaks Christian, I mean, he was labeled as the next big thing. He was going to be the, you know, the next quarterback, the next Joe Montana, blah, blah, blah. He went to Notre Dame, highly regarded. Everybody knows the story. Um, now, regardless of how he finished, that's not the story here. The story was he was dubbed as the number one player overall in his class by the time he was a, you know, eighth grader, ninth grader. So very similar um, kind of, you know, career progression, I should say. Because Arch is going to have a shot at being the number one overall player in his class. He's certainly going to be the number one quarterback. And, I mean, he hit a growth spurt over the over the summer. Yeah. He's already 6'3", 190. I mean, he was small when he played last year as a freshman, which, hell, I was tiny as a freshman. Um, but, yeah, he's got some, some good genes, I would say, Neil. I, I checked. I checked the uh, Yeah, the, uh, I, I joked genealogy. about it. I joked about it, and I need to stop joking about it because you're exactly right. He's a, he's a 2023 kid, so he's still a little ways off. Quarterbacks typically commit early, and I'm I'm a, yeah. I'm going to keep this part real because this is we're going to get into the other part in a minute. The 2021 class was going to be Lane Kiffin's first big splashy class. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that they won't get some big splashy guys. They probably will. I think so. But on the whole, and tell me if I'm wrong, please, because you know more about this than I do. That's one of the reasons that we, we pay you to cover recruiting. I don't think this stat, this class is going to be the top 10, top 15 class. I don't think that's realistic at this point. Is that fair? No, because the, the pandemic has ruined it. Okay, so it is fair for me to say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I, okay. I think, I think they'll, if they get the... The top targets that they really want, I think that it's there's a real shot at top thirty. Okay, all right. So for, for, well, we're talking twenty twenty one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Twenty twenty one. Okay. So had 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 there been no pandemic, and I mean, look, it's easy for me to do this now, and so people go, "Come on, Neil, that's fair." What it, it, those of you who roll your eyes at what I'm about to say, you're justified. That's fair. I will say that I said this before the pandemic ever hit, so. At least I'm being consistent. But if you if you think this is ridiculous, you're that's that's fair. I think this was going to be a top ten class. Mm-hmm. Had there been no pandemic, I think they were going to be able to bring a bunch of guys in and sell them on being the start of something big. I think they were going to get a lot of early commitments. It was going to turn into momentum, and they were going to be able to take off. That's what I believe. We'll never know. I could be right. I could be wrong. Only the football gods know, and they're not coming down to tell me that right now. They're busy. They got a yeah, lot going on. So, so my point is this. I don't think that's crazy to say at all. Okay. So my point is this. That's not happening this time. That, 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 that's not going to happen. I personally think the dead period's going through the calendar year. I don't know what's going to happen with January or with February, but I do think the dead period is going to go through December. I do. So I think this is going to be a different recruiting class. We'll talk about that in a minute. The 2022 class now becomes his first opportunity at a big, splashy class. And it makes Arch Manning in the 2023 class, in my opinion, an absolute must-get. Not that if you don't get him, it's a disaster, or if you don't get him, the program goes to hell, or if you don't get him, he gets fired. None of that. But if you're telling me that in August of 2023, Ole Miss is a high-profile, competitive, sexy program recruiting at a really high level. I'm telling you that Arch Manning is on the roster. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I, the, the trajectory that I see right now because of the, I agree with the dead period. It's, and regardless if it goes through December, if it goes through January, this staff has has not been able to get in person and to host visitors, and that's really hindering them yes. because this is a very young, energetic, personable staff that that's where they're going to flourish. Well, y- young people, not to interrupt you, young people go where they know. It's very difficult to win. And, and, and look, they might win one or two this way. They might win one or two high-profile recruiting battles with kids who've never seen the campus. That's yeah. that, that, Okay, but they're not going to win 12 like that. That's my point. No. They're not going to win 12 where a kid's been to Tuscaloosa and he's been to Knoxville and he's been to, I don't know, Ann Arbor, whatever, fill in your high-profile programs, but he's never been to Oxford, and he goes, you know what, I'm going to go there. You might get a couple that way. In fact, I'll be surprised if they don't get a couple that way because it's a really good staff. But they're not going to get 10 to 12 like that. It's just not going to happen. Right. And I'm glad you brought that up because that going back to Brandon Huntley-Hatfield, he's been on, an, on a visit to Ole Miss. So that is another feather in Ole Miss's cap where – He's been to Oxford, but he hasn't been to some of the other places. It's a great because, point. It's a great because point. Of COVID. Yeah, it's a great point. It's it's just forget sports for a minute. I mean, I've got a kid that's in the 2021 class. Now she's not, you know, she's not a, a football or basketball player, but her intention, Zach, was to go visit some schools. Mm-hmm. That was what she wanted to do. She wanted to this spring and summer. She wanted to go look at schools. COVID has taken that away from her. Now, I mean, like, you can go visit schools, but it's all outside. You got to wear a mask, and no one's going to really let you in. You don't, can't see the dorms. You can't see, you see, you really can't see Jack, right? So it's, it's hard to make those decisions. It's hard to look at those schools and evaluate them. So what has she done? She's down to the two schools that she's seen. That's pretty common. That's typically, that's typically what kids do. So, to expect, yeah, you want to be comfortable. Yeah, well, you want to you want to go to something that's known. You want yeah, right. you want comfort. So to expect kids just because they're athletes to be able to make completely different kinds of decisions than their peers who are non-athletes is revelatory of you not understanding young people. <laughs> yeah, um, but no, I I think the trajectory is you play twenty twenty. Let's say you go four and six. You go four and six. You win the games you're supposed to. You lose the games you're supposed to. Maybe you sneak up and get one. Maybe you get A and M. You know, you win four games. Whatever. However, however you do it, it doesn't matter. This is a COVID asterisk labeled season, but your offense is electric. It's exciting. Jerry Neely runs for 1,200 yards, has 700 yards receiving. Matt Corral throws for, you know, 3,500. John Rice Plumley is a weapon that you use all over the place. It's it's enticing to recruits. You're starting to build buzz again. Now you've got something to point to. You've got Lane Kiffin, who is the one of the hottest names in college football, if not the hottest name. I mean, Neil, he was on the Big Noon kickoff show. They had him call in to a Big Ten show to talk. An SEC coach went on a Big Ten show. Like, I, I know all the jokes of Joey Freshwater and, you know, oh, well, he was always in timeout with Nick Saban. Like, the dude knows football. He's not a moron. He knows what he's doing. Kids respect him. And so you've got something to point to. Then you have the 2022 class where you've got a lot of big-name prospects in Mississippi that they can really hone in on. And you've got the national approach that they're doing right now. Then, you let's say they get a top 10, top 15 class in 2022. You build off that some more, and then you have you know a seven-win season. Maybe you get maybe you bite someone in the ass and you get eight wins. Then Arch Manning has like, whoa, okay, I've been to Oxford a bunch. I know my my dad went there, and we love it. My grandpa played there, my uncle played there. Um, but then it's real, and I think. Even with all that said, and this is my opinion, and I have some sourcing, not directly with Arch Manning or that family or whatever, but people that would know have told me time and time again, he is Ole Misses to lose. I think that's true. And I would say that as softly as I could at this point, just because it's early. 
But I, yeah. I, yes, I, I tend to agree with that. I, in many ways, in many ways, Ole Miss makes a ton of sense for him. Um, Absolutely. You know, I, I don't, I don't look. I mean, all of the programs that he has listed in his top was it six, eight? They're all, they're all great programs. I mean, you know, sure. Uh, Texas is a great program. I like to pick on it, but it's, it's a great program. Tennessee's a great program. <laughs> Alabama's obviously a great program. Georgia's a great program. Duke, with the Cutcliffe connection, makes sense on paper. Uh, North Carolina's a, you know, a, a renowned institution. I can't remember who else is on there. Ole Miss and LSU. LSU's LSU. On, LSU just won the national title. It's right yeah. there. It's right Georgia there. Georgia was on there. Yeah, it, LSU's right there in near his where he grew up. He, he's he is he is a Louisiana boy. I'm a Louisiana boy. I can tell you, and I didn't ever go to LSU. I never really thought about LSU, but I can tell you that when you grow up in Louisiana, there is a allure to LSU that never really goes away. I I still have it to this day. So um, I get it. Um, LSU LSU makes sense on paper. I. I I'd be a little surprised if that's what happened. I th- I think he ends up at Ole Miss unless this whole thing just is a disaster up here. And I'm with you. I don't think it's going to be. But I do think I d- I do think him. I'll say this: if and, and this isn't to put pressure on the kid or his family or anything because I don't I don't know him. If if he gets to a quarterbacks typically recruit, uh, commit early. Mm-hmm. Quarterbacks typically are the only position out there that have coattails in recruiting. You might disagree with that. But that's been my observation. Like I, I never really sense kids go, "Hey, I'm this defensive lineman went to Tennessee. I'm going to go there too." It it, <laughs> it, it, it typically is quarterbacks. Uh, yeah, you know, there are some exceptions. I yeah, think. Yeah, of course. But yeah, I mean, just I as a general rule. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So you know, if Arch Manning were to decide that he wanted to commit. The earlier he, whether it's to Ole Miss or Tennessee or Duke or anywhere else, the the earlier he commits, the better chance he has of of capitalizing on those coattails. So, it's why I, I I'm scolding myself here. I've scoffed at the 2023 <laughs> portion of this because he's a high school sophomore. But I wouldn't be surprised if he makes his decision during his junior year. Yeah, well, I, I was. See, we're on the same page, Daniel. I was going to pose the question to you with how his family has handled the recruiting. And look, not that it's wrong. You, you do you. Do whatever you want to do, how you want to handle the recruiting. Sure, They've been very vigilant about but Look, he hasn't received an offer because he can't receive an offer yet. We're not looking at offers. We're not looking at any recruiting right now. He is a high school student athlete. He's going to focus on his 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 classes, sure. playing with his friends, blah, blah, blah. Sure. Do you think that this could be something that could push them. Arch, do you know where you want to go? Do you have enough information? Look, we maybe he's visited those places. I don't know. If they ask him, do you want to do you want to go ahead and get this over with? And he says, yeah, I do. I know where I want to go. What's stopping him? Even if it's this year. Yeah, he I, just, see, I don't. I don't think it's this year. I and, and I think where the, this where they're coming from here is. Like if this were my kid, I'm I'm thinking about this. If 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 one of my kids had been an elite athlete, I don't I don't know. I I can I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt that both my wife and I would not have allowed the recruiting to go crazy right now. We just would have kept it kept it down because these are important developmental years socially. Um, these are these are important developmental years academically. There's more to there's more to life than football. There's no doubt there's more to his life than football. Um, and then you throw in the external pressures of his last name and all of those things. Mm-hmm. No, I would, I would want to keep things as normal as possible as long as I could. And so if I'm his parents, uh, the, probably the earliest that I would allow him to get serious and make a decision where it got public and stuff like that would be after he completed his junior season. Yeah. So, so the, that could... the spring of his junior year, it, now at that point, I would be more inclined to say, hey, if you know where you want to go, why don't we get this over with? Let's, exactly. Let's not let your senior year 
turn into nothing but this recruiting circus. Now, if you right. don't if you don't know where you want to go, if you can't decide, if you're down to four and you just can't pick, well, then by all means, let's let's make the right decision. But if you know where you're going, why don't we get this done spring of your junior year so that you can enjoy the the final year of your college career? And then, in reality, I'm, I'm assuming, and I don't I don't know the specifics on on him, but more and more of these of these young people are graduating in December of their senior year mm-hmm. and getting a jump start on their on their college education and their college careers i have no idea whether that's in the plans for him or not but in in the event that it is obviously that's that's the time frame to make that decision right so what i was getting at was who's to say that they don't do that junior year all right arch you know where you want to go let's go ahead and do it and then because they've done a fantastic job of deflecting and keeping him you know essentially in a bubble you know current event pun there but he he hasn't he's avoided everything so go ahead and hey let's just get it done in the junior year and then look it's just a straight up like respect my decision notes app paragraph and then at the bottom it's look this is it i'm done no contact i don't want to talk to anybody oh i think i think he would he would have to have the press conference kind of a thing but you could do that at a press conference setting But, but yeah yeah like it's look i'm not flipping I'm not decommitting. Yeah, like I'm done. Yeah, like, like most quarterbacks, most quarterbacks don't flip. I mean, the the, the percentage of quarterbacks that rare. flip is very small. Yeah, and, so, and usually it's because there's a coaching kind of a deal that happens, right? right. And that's another thing that they could be evaluating. Like, hey, we like Lane Kiffin. He obviously knows offense. We like Jeff Levy. He's done some really good things at Baylor and at UCF. Let's see how 2020 goes. If it's something that that we feel comfortable with, and Arch likes the offense. Hey, let's let's get it going. So that's another thing where you know this is this year's too early because who knows? Ole Miss could be a complete flop and you know be terrible. And then he's like, "Well, I'm not going there because they are they suck." But yeah, so I think next year is when that ball gets rolling recruiting wise with Arch. Like you said, maybe after his junior season, just so he can because a lot of kids are doing that now, especially quarterbacks. Yeah. I want to get it done. Like Maddox Cop is doing that next week. I want to commit before senior season so I can focus and have fun with my teammates and enjoy my last year. Yeah, yeah, and just avoid the circus. Yeah. All right. Uh, speaking of recruiting, and before we do that, let me tell you about LBs. Almost forgot to tell you about LBs, which would be like a total failure to not tell you about LBs because LBs is absolutely awesome. So let me tell you what I had, Zach. I had the. Um, I had the ribeye uh, top cut into okay. fi- cut into fillets, and right. uh, put you already the, got me. I'm hooked. I put those on the sous vide in the sous vide, I should say, at 129.5. Couple hours, got them off. Got the grill good and hot. Put the sear marks on them. Took it right off. Probably took it to about 132, 133. Medium rare, probably on the rare side of medium rare, but medium rare and uh, outstanding. Does anybody else cook it other than other than that way? Uh, I don't know. I'm sure there's. Yeah, I mean, you could just put it on the grill and get it good and hot, then get the grill down and let it roast to the desired temperature. You could do it that way. Oh, I was referring to medium rare. I mean, that's oh, the way oh, cook. yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, some people. You'd be surprised, man. Some people do the the medium to medium well thing, which I mean, those are the people. Those are the people that put ketchup on hot dogs, Neil. Yeah, I don't put ketchup on a hot dog. Can't be trusted. No, you that you you, you can't trust them. You you do have to <laughs> you do have to look at them funny. You have to watch them yeah. out of the corner of your eye throughout your life. <laughs> but anyway, it was fantastic. I got the uh, what was it? It was a chicken sausage. It wasn't the chicken jalapeno. Oh yeah, yeah, I got that in the freezer. The chicken jalapeno is my favorite. I couldn't; they didn't have it, and so I, was, I got a different chicken sausage. It was awesome. The only thing about it was it was so good that Carson ate it all before I could get to some of it, <laughs> and and that was disappointing. I got some uh, shrimp, and uh, I, I just boiled them. I made a shrimp cocktail. It was just me and Carson. It was nobody. Oh. It was just us. And I said, hey, I got to try this uh, Saint Elmo's. Stay. Uh, 
cocktail sauce that everyone's told me about that someone sent me. And uh, so we did a shrimp cocktail. We just finished watching game three of Oklahoma City, Houston. And so we were turning on another game, and we were just chilling, just the two of us. And, man, it was fantastic. You can get all of that at LB's, 2008 University Avenue in Oxford. It is uh, right across the street from Kroger, but you don't deal with all the rush and craziness of Kroger. And the product is a lot better than Kroger, a lot better than Kroger. You can call ahead. Greg will have everything ready for you, 662-259-2999. Or you can go in and browse, again, uh, beef, pork, chicken, uh, handmade sausages, uh, plate lunches, seafood fresh from the Gulf, everything you could want, all right there at LB's. Great customer service. Uh, all of the products are absolutely fantastic, and they've been great friends of this show and of uh, Zach's show as well. So next time you're in Oxford, you got to go to LB's. We would appreciate it. All right, we'll wrap with this, Zach, final topic. Okay. Uh, Lane Kiffin talked about this earlier this week. I have been struck by how this staff, they might not tell you a lot about what's going on with their team with like schemes and stuff like that, but if you ask a recruiting question in a general enough way, they will answer it absolutely straight up. And they can't tell you, oh, yeah, we're recruiting this kid, this kid, this kid, this kid, because the NCAA doesn't allow that. <laughs> but yeah. if you ask them about, hey, this COVID thing obviously has probably changed what you were trying to do, et cetera, et cetera. And so the NCAA came out with the ruling, I guess, late last week that, hey, this COVID year sort of sucks and – not everybody's going to get to do the same thing. And so what we're going to do is we're not going to count it as a year of eligibility for anybody. And so Lane Kiffins was asked, how's that going to impact recruiting? And I was struck by the fact that instead of him saying, oh, no, I won't do anything. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> he said, oh, I'll, I'll tell you what it's going to do. It's going to lead to a lot more grad transfers because now a lot of grad transfers will have two years. They'll still have their grad transfer year and they'll get this year back because this year didn't really happen. Even though it does happen, or we're hoping it happens, and I think it's going to happen, even if it happens, it didn't happen from an eligibility standpoint. And he said it's going to completely change the way we do rosters. And I think with Ole Miss, as we dovetail this all together, it's my opinion. Feel free to tell me, no, Neil, you're an idiot. I think given the fact that the COVID thing is likely going to impact what it was they were going to try to do with this 2021 class, I think they're going to finish off some of the 2021 class with one or two-year grad transfers as opposed to high school kids that they never really got a chance to get to know. I think it's it's a I think it's a great approach to the recruiting just kind of landscape right now. It's we we've talked about it ad nauseum with it. they can't they can't recruit the way they they wanted to originally. They can't have Kids come on campus, they can't be in person, they can't go see them. So you've got to adapt. And I think that this is a – I think this is the perfect way to bridge the gap to 2022 and beyond if this continues to be a thing where you're going to bring in grad transfers, grad two transfers, where they're going to be um, familiar with the recruiting process already so they're not going to be as timid or as – you know they're not going to need – as many boxes checked, they kind of know how college works. They kind of know what they're looking for. So they're going to have a list of, okay, you've got this, this, and this. Okay, I'm in. Do I am, do my credits transfer from my other school? Cool. Um, am I cleared by the SEC? All right, that's it. So it, it's something to where you're, you're you're already recruiting a player that has been through the process already. They're a little. I think it's fair to say more mature for the most part because they're older. They're not 17. So it's something to where they know what they want and they already have an idea of what they're looking for. So it's, I think it's a great idea. It's a great approach for, and I think most coaches are probably on the same page with, with Lane Kiffin here, where it's, it's just what you're going to have to do right now. If you can't recruit the way you want to recruit at the high school level, then go and get these guys that are wanting to leave and they've got one year left, they're hungry, they want to get somewhere, play high-level Power 5 football, and then go to the NFL. So they're motivated, they um, they know what they want, and I think that this is kind of the future of recruiting, uh, regardless of the pandemic. I think this will continue to be a trend in 
2022 and beyond. I agree. No doubt. But for this class, I think it's it's going to be, hey, let's take the proven commodity over the kid that we think is going to be really good, but we didn't ever really get a chance to get to know him. We didn't get to bring him to camp. We didn't get to look at him. We, we've got a couple of question marks. We can't get the answers, so you know what? Let's just not. Let's just let's just punt. I, I, it's my anticipation, and and wait and do that in 2022. I I don't think this is going to be a staff that takes kids just to take kids, and I don't think they're going to take kids unless they know that that's a kid they want. And so I think they'll go. My my guess. This isn't. No one's told me this. My guess is they go heavy on the grad transfer route because it also it lets you get more instant impact. It lets you rebuild more quickly. It lets you be more competitive quickly. And I think it gives you a better chance to have a, a splash in 2022. And then, of course, 2023, which has a chance to be the big, big splashy class that, that cat, catapults a program. Yeah. All right. We'll, uh, we'll wrap there. Zach, thanks so much for the time. Really appreciate it. Hope you all enjoyed it. Don't forget about LBs. Don't forget about Dead Soxie. It's deadsoxie.com. Promo code Rebel Grove for 30% off. We'll be back next week with another edition of the Soft Verbal Podcast presented by Dead Soxie. Until then, for Zach Barry, I'm Neil McCready. Take care.